Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. so good to be here at FBC Barberville today. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. Hope you feel right at home. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. So last week, we cracked open the New Testament in our journey through the Word together this year. And we, we looked at Jesus beginning His public ministry and kicking that off with His public act of baptism. And then we literally saw the Holy Spirit descending from heaven on Jesus and equipping him or commissioning him for this mission that God now is, is sending him on, that he's about to embark upon. And Jesus then begins that, that public ministry. And today we're going to jump over to the Gospel of Matthew, out of the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking at what I would consider the greatest teaching or the greatest sermon that's ever been delivered on the face of planet Earth. So Jesus begins His ministry, and one of the first things that He does is He gathers quite a significant crowd, and He just begins to preach to them. And He begins to teach His disciples. We're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount this morning in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7. And in this message, Jesus, He covers a lot more than I can cover on a Sunday morning. He hits most of the big issues in life, real life issues. So up to this point where we're going to be this morning, Jesus has been preaching to his disciples and he's talked about how to be a good Christian. He's talked about Christian character. He's talked about Christian conduct. He's told them what they're to think, how they're to act. He's uncovered, he's covered all these real life problems and issues such as hatred and murder and lust and adultery and even divorce. He's encouraged his followers to go the second mile with someone to be salt and to be light. He's told his followers that they're not supposed to swear, that they're supposed to love their enemies, that they're supposed to be generous and to give not for public uh, praise, but for the glory of God. He's even modeled for them how they're supposed to pray. I mean, Jesus literally covers it all. And he teaches them. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Can you imagine having Jesus teach you the model prayer. Then he goes on and he teaches them, not only are you supposed to pray, but you're supposed to fast. And here's how you're supposed to fast. And he's told them, you're supposed to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That You can't serve two masters. That You need to not worry about anything because God's taking care of all of this. And he tells them, you should seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be added to you. He even tells them not to judge other people, to ask and it will be given, to seek and you shall find, to knock and it will be open. All these things that we've probably heard most of our lives, right? He's taught them not only what they're to believe, but He's taught them how they're supposed to behave. And then it's almost like Jesus gets right down, I mean, to the nitty gritty and maybe even looks up past His disciples to the vast crowds gathered in front of Him 
And he really boils it down to a choice. And that's what we're talking about this morning. It's two choices. It's really black and white. It's one of two choices. And on the side of that hill or that mountain that day, Jesus gives His listeners five very clear and powerful illustrations teaching them about their need to be saved. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 13. And Jesus says this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Isn't that a timely Scripture this morning. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. I want to drive this home to you this morning. And it's very simple. It's something that was taught to me very early on, thankfully. And it's, it's like this. Life, folks... Life is all about choices. Every choice has consequences. Some are obviously more dire than others, right? But everything in life can always be traced back to a choice that either you made or someone else made, right? So someone went so far to say this, and I quote, Regardless of circumstances, each man lives in a world of his own making. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, and I understand that you don't always choose what happens to you, but you always have the ability to respond about how you react to that circumstance or that situation. And most of life's choices, let's be honest, they're not going to matter that much. We make so many choices every single day without even thinking about it. The flavor of ice cream you're going to get later today, the particular restaurant you're going to go to after church, that may have some immediate choices you know, when you get home, uh, but it's not that dire most of the time, right? Unless you go to Long John's and it's a little more dire. <laughs> but many choices in life, they're a little more gray. However, the big choices, the things that matter, the things with eternal consequences, let's be honest, those are very black and white. 
There's only two choices. Jesus or no Jesus. Saved or lost. Heaven or hell. There is no in-between. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. And so the, the takeaway is that you have to make a choice. And choosing to not make a choice is in fact making the wrong choice. So let's talk about what Jesus is saying. First of all, Jesus says you must choose the right road. Jesus teaches very clearly there's only two roads in this life. There's a very broad road that He says leads to destruction. And then there's a narrow and a difficult road that leads to life. And whether you realize it or not, you are on a road, you're on a highway, headed for somewhere. We're all going in some direction. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear that you're headed either for life or for destruction, that you literally are headed toward heaven or you're headed toward hell. There's no just meandering along the way. It's one or the other. When I was about eight years old, I got tired of going down the wrong road. And it was like at every intersection, I just I felt like the wrong choice was made and end up going the wrong way, end up in a place that I never wanted to be. And just I got tired of this, even at eight years old. And I'm not, I'm not talking about getting saved, folks. I'm talking about growing up with a mother that was absolutely directionally challenged. <laughs> so I got tired of being lost. And I asked my mother to buy me a map at eight years old. Buy me, Mom, an, an old... We didn't have Google Maps back then. I said, buy me one of those atlases like the truck drivers had so I can tell us where to go and we don't get lost anymore. We can go down the right road and, and get to where we're trying to go. Well, guess what? Jesus gave us a road map, didn't He? And He tells us that we have to choose the right road to take, that we have to get off this broad road that leads to destruction and get onto this narrow road that leads to life. And, and here's what you got to understand. There's only one place where these two roads intersect, where they diverge in life, and that is at Calvary's cross. You see, you, you set out heading down this broad road toward destruction, and eventually, prayerfully, somebody confronts you with the gospel of Christ. And as you stand right before Calvary's cross, confronted with the gospel. You've got to make a decision. I'm either going to continue on this broad road that I'm going or I'm going to go down this narrow road and follow Jesus. The Bible says that the broad road, it's an easy road. And I think this road is often filled with many good things, seemingly uh, great things sometimes. It, it, it promises prosperity. It promises power. It promises all kinds of worldly pleasures. And as time goes on and as age begins to creep in, the problem is as our health begins to fade, wealth begins to lose its, its luster, our friends end up passing on and dying, and it's just increasingly lonely and scary the longer we go down this broad road because it's leading us to destruction. The narrow road, though, the Bible says that it's also a difficult road. And it does not promise you power. It doesn't promise you pleasure. And it doesn't even promise you prosperity. But it does promise the very presence of a Savior wherever you go. And it, it is filled with joy in the middle of whatever circumstance that you may find yourself. And this road, the Bible says, leads to everlasting life. So how does one get off of the broad road that Jesus is talking about and get on to the narrow road? Well, Jesus says you've got to choose the right gate. Jesus begins His message by saying, enter through the narrow gate. 
that there's a narrow gate for this narrow road and a wide gate for the broad road. So, so how do you choose the right gate? How do you know what, what's Jesus even talking about this gate? Well, it's very simple. You go through the narrow gate. You know what the key is? Faith. It's that simple. Remember, remember, these two roads converge at the truth of the cross. And it's where you've got to make that decision. Will I go through this gate or not? Will I accept Jesus by faith or not? I, I love what Jesus said when He's talking to His disciples in John chapter 6. I'm sorry, John chapter 14. And he's talking about this very thing. He, he says in John 14, uh, in John 13 rather, that uh, Peter is going to deny him. He says that Judas is going to betray him. And then he goes right into saying, guys, listen, in spite of all this, I love these words. Don't let your heart be troubled. He says, I may have to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to where I am so you can be there too. And then this guy named Thomas speaks up and he says, Lord, wait a minute. We don't know where you're going. We certainly don't know how to get there. This is my version of what he said, okay? And what did Jesus say? You know this. He said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. What Jesus is saying is if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go through the narrow gate, which is Jesus, or you're not going to go to heaven. It is that explicit. It is that clear. And notice what Jesus says about this narrow gate. He says it's so narrow. It's so narrow that no one can go through this gate with you. You can't drag anyone along, and no one can drag you along with them. Your husband and your wife can't drag you through it. Your mom and dad can't drag you through it. Your grandma and grandpa can't drag you through it. You can't round up all your friends and force them to go through this gate. But it's also a difficult gate and a difficult road. That word right here means to squeeze through or to press through. And that means that you can't carry anything with you. That means that you can't drag your past with you through this gate. That you can't drag all of your sins and all of your garbage and all this filth with you through this gate. It even means you can't drag your good works with you through this gate. You come just as you are at the foot of the cross and go through Jesus by faith. And then he said, there are few that find this. Now, why is that? Why are there only a few that find it? Does that mean that we're doing a bad job sharing the gospel? Maybe. But I think it's also that because few are actually looking for it. Adrian Rogers used to say that the majority of Americans are strutting their way toward hell, believing they're too good to be condemned. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that. Most people think that they're just fine. They've been good enough. They must be okay because look at all these other people that are going down this broad road with me. And if they're okay, then I'm okay. But the problem is they're not okay. And neither are you. So this is why you have to get off of that broad road, go through this narrow gate, and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now let me ask you, I'm going to ask you several times this morning. Have you done that? Honestly, in your heart of hearts, have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? Have you got off that broad road that everybody else in this world is trying to go down and gotten onto the straight and narrow? If not, we're going to give you a chance here in just a little bit.
But there's a couple more choices to make. Jesus says, not only do you have to do that, but this is pretty important. You've got to choose the right company. You know, it matters who you're around. And it matters who you listen to. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So Jesus brings up this, this idea about false prophets right after he's talked about the narrow road and the narrow gate. Now, why does he bring it up here? I think it's because Satan uses these false prophets, these folks that are actually wolves in sheep's clothing, to keep people on that broad road and to turn people back to the broad road if he gets the opportunity. They're so dangerous because they can pretend so well. Jesus tells us how they work. He says they're wolves that are among the sheep. They've infiltrated... I started to say the barnyard... The church. And they look like sheep. And they talk like sheep. Some of them even smell like sheep. But on the inside, their heart is rotten. And they're evil. And Satan uses them every chance he gets. Because as soon as they gain the acceptance and the trust of the real sheep, what do they do? They turn. And they become divisive, destructive, and even deadly. So how do you tell the difference if they look and talk and walk and even smell like sheep? Jesus says in verse 16, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He says when it comes to these false prophets, don't pay attention to their words or their performance or even the things that they, they're doing. But notice the kind of fruit that they're producing in their lives. Jesus says, watch what kind of fruit they produce. Are they producing the fruit of the Spirit? Are they producing good, godly, mature Christians? Or is there a trail of just rottenness and destruction everywhere they go? One day, when it's all said and done, this is what Jesus is teaching us here. When the final chapter is written in world history, the Bible says that all of these wolves are going to have their deeds revealed. And all of their evil and their wickedness and all these things that they've done are going to be revealed. And they're no longer going to be able to pretend that they're one thing when they're actually another. And what is, what's going to happen? And Jesus says in verse 19, Every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down and thrown into the fire. He says these false prophets will end up at the end of that broad road where they've been leading everybody else in their life. In that awful, terrible place called hell. And then Jesus gives us another dire warning. And I've called this next section here in chapter 7 of Matthew one of the most terrifying parts of Scripture. This absolutely terrifies me. I'll just be honest with you. Jesus teaches we've got to choose the right profession. And I'm not talking about what you do for a living. I'm talking about a profession of faith. False prophets produce bad fruit, but then there are these people that produce no fruit. And they too may have the right words, they may do the right things, but they've never actually gone through that narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ Himself. And many will say that there are a lot of folks on church rows, rolls, there are a lot of people sitting in church pews, there are a lot of people singing on worship teams and serving in large worldwide ministries who say they're saved, but they're not saved. Look what Jesus says. I'm going to go back and actually show you these verses. Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me, now that's, that scares me, that word, many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. But notice verse 23. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Dr. John Phillips said to call on the name of the Lord continually, or in other words, Lord, Lord. But to never do what he says is the essence of a false profession. One of the most troubling passages in Scripture to me is to think that people, Jesus says many of them, many people who preached in the name of Jesus, who cast out demons in the name of Jesus, who did all these good and great things in the name of Jesus, actually did not know Jesus. Now let me ask you, do you know Jesus personally? Have you truly been saved by grace through faith in Jesus? Where we live, folks, a lot of us know how to walk the walk and talk the talk. But it has to be in our heart. There's no way, if you're unsure about that this morning, there's no way you should leave here uncertain about your profession and your faith. In Christ, One of my favorite stories, and I think I've shared it before, but it's worth repeating. It's about Dr. Roy Fish, who was a professor, long-time professor of evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Dr. Fish had an incredible testimony that I think a lot of us can relate to who grew up in the church. Dr. Fish recalls being a, a young boy and, and feeling the, the need to be saved. The Spirit began to convict him. And he said he walked down the aisle of this big Baptist church that he had grown up in, that his family went to. And he took the preacher by the hand and says, Preacher, I, I need to be saved. And the preacher said, Well, little Roy, we're so proud of you. Take this card and go over here to this pew and fill this out. And Roy will get you baptized. We're just so proud of you. He said he did all that. They, they baptized him that night, as a matter of fact. And then life went on and then about... Uh, you know, about eight years passed or so. He was about 14, 15, to the point where he was a teenager that really began to understand things. And he, he said, I just never, I never felt like I was saved. And so he, once again, big Baptist church, goes down the aisle, takes the preacher by the hand, says, preacher, listen, I, I, I got to be saved, man. So Roy, we're so proud of you. Won't you go over here to this pew? Take this card. We'll, we'll get you on the, on the baptism schedule. And, and again, they, they did the same thing. They baptized him. But he said, as I went on through life, he said, I just never had any assurance that I was saved. So Roy graduates high school. He goes off to college. And one weekend, he comes back home to that same big Baptist church in that same little town. And he felt that same need. He goes down the aisle and he says, listen, Pastor, you, I, need, I don't know what I need, but I know I need to be saved. Well, Roy, we're so proud of you. I want you to take this card. Sit here in this pew, fill this out. and Maybe we can get you baptized when you come back home next week. He said he went back home to that little house that he grew up in and he just began to contemplate this whole situation and his need for Christ and what was missing and he he said he just sat there on the porch and, and began to think about all this and he knew that he wasn't saved. And he said all of a sudden as he thought through this, as this 
words that came into his, his mind from this old song. Maybe you know it. It's called Only Trust Him. <laughs> Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now. What's it say? He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. He said, he began to think about that. And he said, he prayed the best he knew how to pray. He said, God, I know that I'm lost and I need you to save my soul. He said, with every ounce of everything in me, I trust you to save my soul. And he said, for the first time in his life, God's peace filled his heart. And he was saved right there on the porch of his old home. I tell you that story to ask you this. I wonder if that's your story. Maybe you've walked an aisle. Maybe you've filled out a card. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've even been serving in the church. But you've never truly been saved. You don't have that relationship with Jesus. And there's, there's, as we would say, there's no confidence in that profession of faith. Listen, this morning you can be certain of your salvation. Don't leave here today uncertain, not knowing if you're saved or not. Because that kind of salvation that we talk about, that's the kind of salvation that's going to get you through the storms of life. That's the kind of salvation that's going to be able to give you joy when the rains come and the floods come. And everything else is stripped away. Jesus <laughs> concludes, it's really almost an invitation. He says this. He says, you've got to choose the right foundation. We know this story. I, I, I don't want to sing this song. But the wise man built his house upon the rock. We all know it. Very simple illustration. Jesus says there were two men who built two houses. One man was a wise man. One was a foolish man. And, and here's what's interesting. The difference was not in the men. The difference was not in the materials that they used. The difference was not in the rains or the storms that came. The difference was between those two foundations. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the other man built his house upon those shifting sands. And when the rains came down and the floods came up, the, rock, the house that was built on the rock stood firm. Now what's the point? The point is that you have a choice to make. And if your life is not built on the solid rock, the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when these rains come, and listen, folks, they're going to come. Life's going to hit you at some point. And when the winds began to blow and the floods began to rise and all these waves of life crash all around you, if your life's not built on Jesus, your life's going to fall apart. And worse than that, one day when you get to the end of this life and you don't know Jesus and you're not built on the solid rock and you've not been on the narrow road because you didn't go through the narrow gate, you're going to stand before Jesus. He's going to say, I never knew you. God. But it don't have to be that way. That's the remarkable thing about the gospel is that anybody in this room, anybody watching online, anybody in this world who will make that choice to choose Jesus can be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? Let's stand together as we close in prayer this morning.
Father, there's so much packed into your, your words, your sermon. God, there, maybe there's someone here who's, who's, who doesn't know you. Someone here that's been looking back over their life and realized that they're not producing any fruit. Maybe there's someone that has produced some bad fruit, Lord, and they need to get on the right side this morning. Maybe there's someone, Lord, that they've gone through the motions. They've tried to do the right thing, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, today I pray that it would just be clear, God, and we can make the right choice this morning. God, maybe there's someone here, maybe it's a father or a mother who's been trying to lead their family and they've been trying to do it on their own strength and their own wisdom, and, but they're, they're not building their life and their children's lives on their solid rock, which is Jesus. God, I pray that today they'd make a commitment to start fresh on the right foundation. God, I know that you're working in a lot of lives in, in our church and in our community. And God, I just pray that we would be obedient to whatever it is that you're calling us to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning as we sing a, a wonderful song of invitation, it's so clear, it's called Without Him. If you need to come and pray this morning, if there's a decision that you need to make or share with your church family, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.